Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from gregarious guests to grappled gangsters. And today, we're talking about Grast. Okay, Brian. So today we're talking about Grast. Yeah. What? Our third demon lord. Graz. Grazd. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I pronounce it Grast, or I, I think I used to pronounce it Graz, but I've kind of moved to Grast. But there's no official way I could find to pronounce it. I've seen a lot of people pronounce it Grazit or Grazit. Um, and of course, Grast or Grost. Um, well, I'm going a totally different direction because that's a conjunction, my friend, when you add an apostrophe like that uh-huh. to two words. Uh-huh. So it's it grazin Yeah, sure. You could you could definitely uh see it like that. I think I, I read on the official Digital Dragons Twitter somebody wrote that it's uh grats, like rats, or like congrats, but that doesn't really make sense because the T's at the end. So I'm going with grossed or grassed. I'll probably switch between the two. It's congratulations. Sure. So Grast is one of the Abyss's most powerful, feared, and infamous demon lords. Canonically, he's only beaten out in power by both Orcus and Demogorgon. (laughs) That name's going to be said a lot in this episode. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) And honestly, when it comes to Grast's influence, territory, armies, and his alliances, he's at least as strong as those two, if not outright better. Um, he's also one of the original uh, Demon Lords. Uh, he's a uh, original Gary Gygax um, creation. Okay. And he's been around since the Monster Manual 2, a first edition. That's pretty early. Yeah, very early. Um, extraordinarily early. He was also uh, the Demon Lord, I think, Gygax used the most in his own personal writings. Because Gygax wrote a lot of novels okay. uh, based in his world of Greyhawk. Mm. Um, we'll have to talk about those one day. Yeah, nobody really, I don't see a lot of Greyhawk. Well, I Greyhawk, see it. I Greyhawk definitely see it. Greyhawk was always kind of like the default. And okay. until it wasn't. Until Forgotten Realms? Yeah, basically. So well, kind of until 4th edition, really. 
Okay. But even then, in third edition, I think a lot of people were playing Planescape because it got really popular. Planescape is the space one? No, that's Spelljammer. Yes, Spelljammer, uh, What's yeah. Planescape? I wouldn't Real even quick. call Spelljammer a space adventure either. Like, but it has space elements in kinda, it? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Planescape is... Uh, it's kind of traditional D&D with a way higher focus on planar lore and like the city of Sigil and like lots of devils, right. lots of okay, angels, that comes lots up. of gods. That has come up yeah, a lot. It does. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's probably one of the most popular of settings. Okay. Um, also in third edition, that's when Eberron came out. Also Dark Zone was popular and then fourth edition had its own setting and now we're in fifth edition. Now Forgotten Realms is the default setting. Okay, so 5th edition is when Forgotten Realms really takes hold. So 4th edition is its own, like, vanilla setting? Yes, 4th edition is its own setting. That's why it has all the specific lore, huh? Exactly, and it's okay. divorced from all the other settings. That's yeah. weird. Um, I really like the 4th edition setting, it's, personally. It's, like, exactly <laughs> like comic book reboots. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. exactly like... 4th edition is very much the new 52 of <laughs> D&D. But anyways... I love the new 52. Back to grass. Uh, new 52 is cool. There's things I love, things I hate. But anyways... Oh, that's true. So I do hate some things about We've talked 52. about the legendary rivalry between Orcus and Demogorgon fairly extensively on the mm-hmm. show. Um, but there's a third major piece to their story and their rivalry, and that third piece is Grast. Um, the three of them are locked in a three-way stalemate that has lasted for centuries. Whenever one gains ground on the other, the third is there to strike the victor's back. Okay. This ongoing war is in some ways at the very center of all conflict in the abyss, and it pulls an unfathomable amount of resources and demon power away from the blood war. <laughs> some people say that the, the amount of resources that this is taking away from the blood war is by design. Oh. To keep the demons from being able to win. But isn't it in their nature to do things like this? We're going to get into what I mean when I say this. Okay. Because um, there's it's it's like a conspiracy theory lore kind right. of okay. deal. Um, so, like, the way I'm looking at it is if the demons became lawful and organized with a win. goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, they're innumerable. Because infinity. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they're also very powerful, too. Yeah. But... Uh, but we're, you're going to see what I mean when I say by some people say that it's by design as you learn more about who Grast is. Mm-hmm. So Grast is known as the Dark Prince of the Abyss. Uh, he's the demon lord of uh, despotism, debauchery, and hedonism. He takes the appearance of a nine-foot-tall humanoid. His skin shines like polished obsidian, and his eyes glow a, male- a malevolent green. Uh, he has yellow fangs, pointed ears, and six fingers on each hand. That's cool. Um, he has thick, short black hair that half hides six small horns on his head. Um, it is said he is the single comeliest of all demon kind, a warning that not all beautiful things are good. Um, every curve and angle of his body and face is said to be aesthetically pleasing. He oozes seduction and temptation. Uh, despite all of this, a certain wrongness pervades his beauty, and his fiendish qualities are very obvious. Um <laughs> The dark allure of his appearance promises both uh, pleasure and pain. So it's like a it's like a Lovecraftian reimagining of Darth Maul. <laughs> nah, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I heard the six small horns, but like but Darth Maul has like dark twenty obsidian horns. skin. No, he's got like a he's just got a few. He's got no, he's got at least a dozen. He's got at least a dozen horns. <laughs> uh, I'd say a dozen at most. Uh, I I would say it doesn't at least. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pull up a Darth okay. Maul screenshot. Right. Okay, we in will. the short we rest. Will. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> but no, it, it, that that sounds really cool. It does sound kind of Lovecraftian in the way, like the obsidian black skin. Yeah, uh, um, but I, some I of think the descriptions are kind of mixed in with other. A things. A lot of the abyssal stuff kind of 
tinges on that uh, Lovecraftian kind of feel, which makes sense. Like if you look at like our uh, episode on the abyss, we talk about the Oberyns, mm-hmm. which are essentially Cthulhu monsters, right? And they were the original demons, so okay. it, they're kind of intertwined. Um, and actually, that's a really good connection because we're going to get into Graz's origin and. He can't. He, he's sometimes tied to the Oberyns, and so we'll get into that. So, as a demon lord of debauchery and hedonism, Gratz surrounds himself with only the finest of things and attractive servants, uh, namely succubi and incubi, meroliths, uh, lamias, harpies, tieflings, and cambions. These are the ones that make up most of his army. He's not big on actually having an army made up of mostly demons. Obviously, he's in the abyss. He has plenty of demons, but his most notable servants are kind of outside. Yeah, tieflings? Did you say tieflings? So this is where we get into confusing territory because back in the day, tieflings used to be not necessarily devilish. Honestly, they were way more common to be demon than devil. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, we've talked about this multiple times. Man. So tieflings from second edition basically just meant you had fiendish blood somewhere in your bloodline. Yeah. Uh, And that could be from anywhere. It it didn't even have to be from. No, that's ringing a bell now. Yeah, it it could even be Eugolith. Right. You could even be have a Eugolith great uncle. But typically now (laughs) in in 5e, it's devil. Ever since fourth edition. uh, Well, in fourth edition, they made it devil only and they made it the streamlined, like organized actual race. Okay. Um. That bred true. Fifth edition carried that over, but then a lot of the old schoolers like complained. So in Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, you have the option to not do that, which is then further um, expanded upon Mordecai and Stomaphos. Okay. So you can have either or both. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that this is obviously supposed to be demons, mm-hmm. but there's further lore later that might imply that maybe some of them are devilish. Okay. We're going to get into that later. Um, but yeah, he adorns himself in silks and fine leathers. He considers restriction to be the only real sin. He takes what he wants and his layers are palaces of pleasure and pain. Okay, cool. So very chaotic. Not really. But being restricted, like, is the only, so if I have to obey law. When it comes to pleasure. Oh, so just. He, basically what he's saying is he doesn't believe in moderation. Okay. It's all about doing what pleases you. Right. Because it pleases you. Okay. But. When it comes to is Grotz chaotic evil? No. Okay. He's the one demon lord that's not, and we're going to get into that. Interesting. Yeah. So despite his reputation for debaucherous distraction, Grotz is neither slothful nor frivolous. His greatest weapon is his guile, and some say he may be the most cunning and intelligent creature in the entire abyss. Grotz is a master politician, and... Where, where were they? He's a master politician, and when possible, he solves his confrontations with diplomacy and deals. He uses clever words and false promises to trick foes into serving his needs. Furthermore, he's a master tactician and strategist, thinking steps ahead of his rivals at any given moment. And his strategies have served him well. He holds three layers of the abyss collectively, referred to as the Triple Realm. Um, many say that, like his Triple Realm, Grotz holds three times the number of plots and goals as any one other demon lord. Come on, baby, you want to come see my Triple Realm? <laughs> that's way more than, that's like two times, that's like that's like he, two more than most of the demon lords. He holds more territory than any other demon lord. That's crazy. Yeah. So basically, you, you kind of started describing Asmodeus to me a little bit in there. It's interesting that you make that connection. We're going to talk more about that later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some say Grotz is the most human-like of the demon lords. This may be due to his humanoid appearance, um, his more diplomatic approach to conquest and his interest in the carnal arts over the killing ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And he also has a very unique amount of respect and interest in 
the mortal world, mortals and mortal activity. Like more He's than your average More than demon. your average demon lord, which is to say most demon lords don't give a shit at all. Yeah, they're just going to come stomp. But Grotz, uh, number one, he's smart, and he realizes that mortals are very valuable, and he cultivates his cults uh, a lot in the mortal realm. But also he's been humbled by a mortal who basically enslaved him for some time. No. Um, we're actually, I wish we could talk about it this episode, but I have so much to talk about. I had to leave out the story of him and Igvilv or Igvilv. She's a sorceress who like enslaved him. She is going to get her own episode, and that's where you're going to get that story. Like a hu- like a like a humanoid person is going to get their own episode. Person, yeah. Is yeah. that where we're? Oh, kinda... there's other humanoids that are going to get their own. Episode well, yeah, but too. have we done? One? We haven't yet. Yeah, because so there's so much oh, to cover. Wow, we're gonna, yeah. so because we're always like, oh yeah, we'll do a um, what's his face episode. Right. Right. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Elminster Dritzt. Dritzt. Yeah. And we will. And like, I don't know, I'll call it D&D heroes. Oh, like nice. El Minister, Dritz, Raisel Majir, uh, Igwilf. Mordenkainen. Um, Mordenkainen, yeah. He'll get his own episode. Um, uh, Volo, he might get his own episode. Oh, I love, I like, I like Volo a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, NPCs, if you will, that will mm-hmm. get their own episodes. Because a lot of these uh, NPCs can serve as great, well, NPCs, but also great, like, bad guys a lot of the time in your campaign. Yeah. Your bad guys don't always have to be, like, these big-level demon lords and gods and all this other stuff. It can be much more smaller scale and still be very epic. It could just be a dude fucking up. Exactly. And so we'll we'll get into that. Like Volo going down into the fucking, uh, the Mad Mage and, like, letting something out. That'd be a cool thing to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where was I? Um... Okay, so, yeah, a lot of people see Graz as, like, very human-like. Um, others, though, mostly demon kind, see his love of politics and his, his, his plays of weak behavior, his plays of, like, diplomacy and deals and all that as being comparable to the behavior of archdevils. Oh, yeah. And some call his triple realm the Little Hells. Okay. Um, <laughs> Graz is neither weak nor is he very human-like. Uh, in combat, it's said that Graz is a veritable killing machine. In one hand, he wields an acid-drenched greatsword called the Wave of Sorrow. And in the oh other... Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really dope-looking sword, too, because it's like... It looks like a, it's like a wave, and then it has, like, a hook at the end. Ooh. And it's it's mass... I mean, it's a greatsword, and he holds it in one hand. And you get really sad when he hits and you, you get with really it. sad as you die. Everybody around <laughs> you gets really sad, too. Uh, and then the other hand, he has a towering... What they call a profane tower shield. I don't know what that means. I, I couldn't find a profane tower shield but i'm basically just picturing a tower shield that just looks really demonic it's got a really provocative like <laughs> nude demon on it yeah there you go <laughs> um he also has a vast repertoire of spell-like abilities at his disposal including the ability to charm dominate or beguile to cast unholy blights to, to dispel magical effects um he has at will teleportation and Ooh. he has numerous defensive spells um Although Graz does participate in the Blood War, his ultimate goals lie much closer to home. He has two major life's missions. One, kill Demogorgon and take the title of the Prince of Demons for himself. He really wants that title. Yeah, man. That's the main reason he hates Because what did we call him in the beginning? Uh, uh, the Dark was, Prince. So he, that's like kind of an encroachment on the... On the um, I mean, yeah, the demon it's, it's name. obviously alluding to wanting the Prince of All Demons yeah. title. Um, but I think he has a name for a couple reasons. One is tied to his origin, and the other is tied to um, just the way he behaves. Like he acts like this regal, like I don't I, like just just regal tyrant. So okay, he, yeah. he really is like a dark prince. Well, Demer Gorgon, on the other hand, who is the prince of de- demons, he's just kind of this big monster. Yeah, he doesn't really act like 
uh, a prince or a king in any way, shape, or form. Two-headed, tentacle-armed Godzilla. Exactly. Yeah, very much so. But lives in a dope castle. Right. Um, So what what was I saying? So yeah, his first goal: kill Demogorgon, take the title of Prince of Demons for himself. His second is complete and total conquest of the abyss, and then he wants to craft a union between the abyss and all the other lower planes. Uh, between all of fiend kind and then bring a war to the powers of good. Okay. But he, so he wants to unite all of evil. He's like chaotic evil, lawful evil. It's all bullshit. We're all we're all in this together. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Fuck those that's, guys. That's his end goal. Everybody, every demon and every devil is brain from Pinky and the Brain. We're like, what are we gonna do tonight, Brain? Same, Same thing we do every night. Yeah, we're gonna try to <laughs> try take and take over, over the try universe. Try to take over everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, where was I? Um, so he spends uh, more time manipulating, allying with, and betraying his fellow demon lords than he does anything else. So, like, he's part of the blood war, but he's he's not really. He 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 only puts as much effort as he needs to, so that people don't bug him. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> like, why would I blood war when I could do my other thing, which exactly. would be like the ultimate the ultimate affront of our end of the blood war? Right. Well, you end the blood war if you do that, right? Pretty much. If he wins, the blood war ends, and then he just has an assault on like Mount Celestia or whatever. Yeah, basically. Well, okay. no. If he, well, yeah. If he wins, the blood war would end because then he would then win that very quickly. Yes. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, because of all of uh, this kind of plotting he does, his various alliances, rivalries, and relationships form an ever fluctuating and incomprehensible web that only he's able to keep track of. Okay. Um, like he he could be in like a gridlock war with one demon lord one day, he'll work out a deal, suddenly they're allies and they're attacking somebody else together. He does this all the fucking time. Right on. So you can just you can never keep your finger on the guy. Okay. So yeah. The combination of his extraordinary political savvy and his penchant for sexual conquest has led to Many of the more legendary of demonic exploits in history, including the imprisonment of a goddess, um, the deposing of multiple demon lords. That's another thing he's got under his belt. This motherfucker's killed a few demon lords. That I seems mean, so he's, backwards. He's, he's got three realms for a fucking reason. Yeah, because like, he, he yeah. got rid of those fools. When it comes to like... Are they of note? Are they... Some of them are. Like, uh, he, he fucked up Adamarchus. He was a pretty big demon lord. Oh, wow. Um, I can't remember the names of the couple others he's taken out. But, um, I mean, they've been kind of smaller scale. Um, obviously he's fighting Orcus and Demogorgon in like this, uh, eternal stalemate for a reason. Right. But like the idea here is that if Grotz and Orcus like went toe to toe, Grotz would get stomped. Right. Grotz's power, he, though he is very powerful in his own right, his power comes from his, his guile and his strategy. Yeah, his environment. Like, exactly. Like he's, like he's his loading ability, his gun with yeah. all kinds of anything he can get his hands on it sounds right like. exactly uh it's it's the difference between um what's it called inherent power and granted power yeah or like allied power well yeah that's what granted power okay. he's given power from these from his underlings like he's yeah so exactly that okay. which is more powerful inherent or granted power granted power is definitely more powerful anyways where was I? <laughs> oh, yeah, his his exploit. So he's imprisoned a goddess before, uh, deposed multiple demon lords. He's infiltrated into the upper echelon of Lolf's priesthood and caused a major schism in the faith. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's done a lot. And he's fathered countless powerful children that serve him in some way or other. Okay. Like, a lot of his lieutenants are children from, like, powerful mortal sorceresses or other fiends and stuff like that. Okay. Know? Um, which that's another reason he takes a lot of interest in the mortal realm because he realizes how powerful mortals can be. And like those who rise up high into the ranks of his cult, 
um, he might use them for progeny. So, yeah. I, I always thought of demon lords as like these singular entities with mm-hmm. maybe like, you know, nameless hordes of de- regular demons. They have like an, they all have like this entourage of uber powerful like, oh, yeah, motherfuckers that are going to go slay whoever. Exactly. It's oh, very wow. true. Yeah. They roll around like a bunch of gangs. It's so true. <laughs> so there's even a rumor that Gratz is near the completion of a plan to absorb one of the material one of the material planes into the abyss and form a fourth layer under his rule. Oh, shit, okay. But that's just rumor. No one knows. No one knows until it happens. Indeed. And all of a sudden, you live in the, in the fucking abyss. <laughs> right, exactly. And we'll find out more about Grass after the short rest. Okay. Selling a little... Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode. We're not talking about the last thing we're talking about. We're talking about this new thing, but it's not that new, and it comes from our hearts. Will, tell them what it is, because I know that you know what it is. It is our love. Our love for who? For our audience? Anyone that can (laughs) hear us. For anyone that can hear us, yes. Or see us. Hear us, see us. You can't see us right now, but you can definitely see the background. I forgot about that part. Will puts all this together, does a really good job with our image work. Oh, thank you. Drink that very far away from the mic. 
We got new microphones. Thank you, Patreon. They're very sensitive. So you're going to extra here, Will, gulping his drink from now on. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to have to be careful of that. I am so excited. They sound so good. They look real good. It's very professional. I feel very professional. Do I sound very professional? That's up for you to decide. Indeed. Let's talk about some people who made this happen and continue to make this happen because we're going, we're skyrocketing towards our next Patreon goal. Uh, so yeah, this is about patrons. Uh, thank you, Video Game Devil. Thank you, Video Game Devil. Thank you, Lundaflow. Thank you, Lundaflow. Or Lundiflow. Uh, thank you, Nico Hunter. Thank you, Nico. Thank you, Mariko's little bro. <laughs> thank you, Mariko's little bro. That's a pretty funny bro. name. Every, that's, I, like everybody in the Discord knows who that is, I feel like. Yeah. Um, thank you, Sam LeBlanc. Thanks, Sam. Uh, thank you, Logan Weeder. Thank you, Logan. Weeter. Uh, th- uh, thank you, Michael Miller. Thank you, Mike. That's a that's a nice Michael, alliteration. He Michael might not Miller. like Mike. <laughs> he may not like Mike. Yeah. I thought about that because I have a friend named uh, Michael, but he goes by Mikey. Mikey. <laughs> I know a guy named Mike. He goes by Magic Mike. Okay. He's a dancer. Well, thank you, Michael. He's a dancer. Oh, for sure. Um, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Cool. It's just one name. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Christopher. N- Christopher or Christopher? Well, it looks like Christopher because it's got, it's K-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R. Okay. Knudsen? Knudsen? K-N-U-T-S-S-O-N. I'm not sure, but thanks, Chris. Thanks, man. Thank you, Alexander Robinson. Thank you, Alexander. Uh, that was a long list. I, I've never had to scroll before uh, doing that, so sorry if I like dipped away from the microphone and you stopped hearing me real good. Anyway, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Um, if you want to help the show out, you can go to our Patreon, thedungeoncast.com slash Patreon, or you can just tell somebody about the show because that's awesome. I see all of you out there. I see you. You're telling people about the show. It's fucking awesome. We see it in the numbers. It's reflecting. We tell you to tell people about the show. I think you do, and then we <laughs> see it, and it makes us happy. Indeed. And uh, we hope that what we do here makes you happy. Um, we have a great time making the show, and we put a lot into this. We're make making time sacrifices to make this show. We, me and Will, me and so Will put a lot of work into it, so it's really great to see all of you coming out and supporting us. Thank you so much. <clears throat> We're constantly trying to make a better product. If you have any... Uh, if you have any feedback or critiques hit us up at the dungeoncast at gmail.com or hit us up in the comment section of whatever it is you are watching or listening to anyway let's get back to the The show. show we've returned we were somewhere but now we've returned but now we're here so um, let's talk a little bit on the origins of Grast. Um, there are two, kind of two theories. One comes from fourth edition and the other comes from every other edition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is very common. That's a common thing I say on the show. Yes. So we're going to start with the fourth edition one. Um, 4E posits that at some point uh, in the ancient days that Grast was a powerful devil, a trusted advisor and lieutenant of Asmodeus. It is said that Asmodeus gave Grast a mighty devil army and sent him on a massive invasion into the abyss. Uh, the evasion was initially quite successful in, um, in its beginnings because he was able to conquer and occupy three whole layers of the abyss. Um, the forces of Demogorgon and Orcus, though, came together and stalled Graz's infiltration and ended up locking him into a permanent stalemate. Um, eons of exposure to the abyss and ended up corrupting um, and warping Graz's nature of his mind and soul. And eventually he severed his ties to Beator and became a demon lord. 
Um, rumors abound, though, that his public rejection of Beator may be itself an elaborate ruse. Gratz's true purpose may be to maintain the stalemate between demon lords in order to drain resources away from the blood war and give the devils an inside headquarters if the tides ever turn. Mm. Um, this may explain Gratz's more devilish and orderly behavior and why so many of his minions are not actually demons. Uh, Cambions, Harpies, Lamias, Succubi, etc. I got a, a spitballing theory. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's hear it, yeah. The Abyss speaks to you uh, subconsciously. Mm -hmm. The longer you're there, the more you, like in this instance, become a mm. demon right. or like become the people that stay there too long s get subjugated pretty much. Right. Yeah. Kind of. They yeah. get corrupted for sure. So, so this could just be like, I'm speaking to you and turning your gears in the way they're used to turning mm -hmm. in like this lawful kind of like manipulative way. Yeah. But you've contorted it with an outcome to be like, no, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm here now though. I'm a demon right, now. Right. Like, exactly. but I, I am going to like continue thinking the way I did when I got here. Right. Just now the result is it's slightly tweaked and, and wrong. Exactly. And yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, now I, I think this is a very fun origin, but the more official origin is very different. So in the Abyss episode, we talked about the Oberiths mm -hmm. um, and their creation of the Tonari in their war against the Windukes of Akka and the original Eladrin, which are not the Eladrin from the Fae. They're like good, chaotic, good, slightly uh, or slash lawful good elves from space. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't need to talk about them, but the forces of law in general. Um, we also spoke about the Tonari rebellion and the near extinction of the Oberiths. Um, the few Oberths that did survive fled in hiding or changed their appearance to appear to be Tanari rather than Oberinth, because Tanaris will kill an Oberinth if they know. Okay, kind of. That's the, that's the idea, anyways. So at this point, the Abyss falls into a civil war, and uh, various powerful demons seek to gain power over all the Abyss. Um, this is where you get like the rise of Demogorgon and Orcus and all this other stuff. Um, enter an ancient and powerful Oberinth lord known as Pale Knight. Now, Pale Knight is a mysterious demon lord who appears uh, as an empty flowing white shroud with the suggestion of a female form beneath it. Um, this is a veil she wears to hide her true form, which is said to be so hideous that reality itself rejects it. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, any, and, and any who glimpse... Uh, any who glimpse her real form risk both madness and death. Sure. She saw an opportunity for power, but she didn't wish to enter the battle and risk herself because there's a lot of powerful players at play here. Okay. So instead, she beckoned some mysterious and powerful entity to her realm for the purposes of impregnating her with a brood of her own children that she that could vie for the throne. <laughs> don't lift up my veil. Don't, don't lift up don't my do veil. It. Don't do it. Just trust me. It's fine. Now, who this entity is, no one knows. It's not written. Um, but there's rumors about some say it was Asmodeus. Uh, some say it's one of the ancient Bernaloths from Gehenna. Um, some say it's a, a great old one. So, but n but none really know. I say the great old one's probably the mo most likely. Sounds like it because I don't think Asmodeus would like listen to her call. Like, I mean, you hit all the you hit all the key points of like a great old one right there, pretty much. Yeah, kinda. And she herself is much like a great old one. So, regardless, she ends up giving birth to countless monsters and demons, uh, so many that she became known as the mother of demons. She birthed many powerful and legendary entities, but only one became powerful enough to contend for the throne of the abyss. Only one would surpass the power of even herself. That child was Grass, the Dark Prince. Oh. Okay, for so, sure. That's his more official. But he's good looking. He's very good looking. She was trying really hard to make something more ugly than her 
So she wasn't that like place marker, uh-huh. you know, for the bottom of the barrel, and it just fucking backfired. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like the year- well, she well, okay. So this is another kind of factor that makes it so mysterious who it was she bred with because she has countless children and none of them are anything alike. They come in all shapes and sizes, types, and and yeah. I think it's just like a, a like whatever data is trying to like form the child is malfunctioning mm-hmm. because it cannot compute. The like ugliness. <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. So Grat's domain, uh, known as the Triple Realm, is officially actually named Azagrat. Um, it takes up the abyss layers of forty-five, forty-six, and forty-seven. Even though we know the numbers don't actually matter. No, they don't. But that's how they're numbered. Yeah. Uh, the first and most important feature of Azagrat is the fact that all three of the planes are finite in size. In order to maintain a tight control over all three layers amidst a three-way war, Gratz has had to use his power to intertwine these three realms together and quarantine two off from the rest of the abyss, um, with only one serving as, like, the entrance. Okay. By doing this, uh, he he made them finite, though, so they're not infinite. They're huge, but they're not infinite. Done fucked up. Nah. I mean, he did what he had to do, I guess. At some point, it stops mattering like exactly. how often it is. That's so. exactly right, yeah. Can I interrupt so. you for a sec for a quick joke? Sure. <laughs> I just think Wizards of the Coast should make alcohol, uh-huh. um, and they should start with Azagrat, the triple realm vodka. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I don't I don't understand the joke. Don't worry about okay, it. Okay, cool. Keep going. <laughs> um, so we're not going to get into the finer details of Azagrat due to there being so much info. There was a lot of info, way more than like, uh, Thanatos or even Demogorgon's realm, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Not going to talk about it. Sure. But um, so Azagrat is definitely going to get its own Atlas Xterus episode. But here's the short of it. Azagrat's three planes are home to a variety of environments, including demonic forests, salt marshes, and windswept plains. But the most notable locations are the various metropoli or metropolises. Metropolis. Sure. Metropolis. Metropolises. All of which are full of chattering markets and pleasure palaces that attract trade and and visitors from across the cosmos. Here they come seeking obscure magical lore and items, perverse delights, and valuable information. Here the demons present themselves with a veneer of civility and courtly poise. So it's it's not like all the other layers where like every every turn is a danger and any any encounter with a demon is an encounter with a wild animal that's going to eat you. But it does seem like people are like some sort of people are visiting them a lot. There's a lot of traffic into like, There's a lot of areas. power to be gained from like going to these outer realms, um, which is really kind of um, built upon in the Planescape setting. You find like weapons of corruption and weapons like, of corruption. You make deals, you know, you you yourself are probably pretty powerful coming to these places yeah. so you can come to these places and find like more ancient magics and stuff yeah. to like further yourself it's like and- merchant trade and stuff when i when i read that in mm-hmm. the in the episode 100 we'll mm-hmm. call it um <laughs> the, that that was just like so striking to me like wh- like what people are like going here and then right. the more we talked about like planar lore this is like normal it like, is people- well depending on your setting planescape very normal um, Greyhawk less so maybe, but like it's a power scaling thing, and right? Because you have to be yeah. so powerful to do that. Yeah, and Forgotten Realms it seems even less so from my experience personally. So, so people's going here getting their pleasures on. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh man, yeah, this is yeah definitely. So like I was saying, the demons here have this veneer of civil- civility and even courtly poise and like, um, just manners and politeness. Okay. Um. Merchants that come here are actually protected by decree of Gratz. This works despite all the chaotic, destructive nature of demons because they fear Gratz. 
very, very deeply. Gratz has a very tyrannical and tight grip on the populace. Um, he exterminates anyone who isn't 100% loyal. And nice. anyone he deems not loyal or possibly not loyal, it's an instant kill. Okay. Well, not instant kill. It's not like he's got like he's a, burning a, a level nine eye. slot on you. But he, your death is imminent unless you leave like before it's too late. Oh shit. Um. So so yeah, he um. That's pretty normal for like the demons that serve you to kind of like take on the persona of the demon lord of the area, right? Like the the layer yeah. of the abyss kind of has a, a feel to it. Yeah, I think I think that's very accurate as well. So I think yeah, a lot of demons just kind of bend to his will, mm. but also they know if they don't, they're fucked. Yeah, <laughs> and like he keeps uh, he's basically got spies everywhere. So like it's really difficult for other demon lords to infiltrate with spies of their own. God, it's just another layer of hell. Yeah, that's why they call it the little hells because right. it's very much like the nine hells. But, you know, tucked away in the abyss. So Grast himself dwells in the capital city of Zelatar that exists on all three planes simultaneously. Um, his lair is called the Argent Palace. Uh, it's an abode of 66 ivory towers connected by 100 cold mirrored halls. Oh, wow. It is visible from all neighborhoods on all planes of Zelatar, and it's a source of fear for to all demonic inhabitants. Um, any inhabitant deemed disloyal receives an invitation to the Argent Palace um, for a personal audience with Grast himself. Um, once they enter the palace, they never seen again. Sick. Right. So to make a long story short, uh, Gretz's power comes in a form of connections, political connections, um, various demon lords such as Zuckmoy and Pale Knight. So Zuckmoy is an interesting one because she she's a demon lord. Okay. And she has a pretty cordial relationship, even a, a strong alliance with Demogorgon. But for some reason, she also has an alliance with Gratz, who is a mortal enemy of Demogorgon. She likes pleasure. I don't know about that. Does she? Well, she's a fungus this, monster. This seems like the place to get it. Uh, she's a fungus monster. <laughs> <laughs> fungus has needs too. So yeah, back to connections. So political net connections like that. Uh, trade connections made through the exotic marketplace of Azagrat. Connections to his cults on the mortal plane providing souls and powerful persons to his cause. And connections to his countless consorts across the multiverse giving birth to his half-fiend children. Oh shit. Uh, many of which are powerful entities in their own right. Some even have reached like demigodhood. Like, I think in the Vecna episode, we talked about Ayaz, who was a demigod that Vecna tricked. Yeah. And I can't even remember the details of the story, but Ayaz is actually a child of Gratz. I can't remember who his mother is. Oh, shit. But yeah, and he's a demigod. They're so. just like sprinkled out throughout the lore. Exactly. Yeah, very much so. Well, so yeah. Like I said before, uh, his ties with Igwilv will get their own episode because she'll get her own episode. But before we move on to like the stats and the regional effects and layer effects and all that other stuff, do you have any questions about Gratz? I have a quick, uh, quick little sp sprinkle of flavor for the layer okay. or the the realm, the a bit, the layer, whatever okay. we're, we're yeah, calling sure. it at this point. Uh, propaganda posters everywhere that say um, uh, "Remain loyal" or something to that effect. Oh yeah, I can like, see propaganda posters all over Azagrat. And the tag sure. the tagline at the bottom of all of them is "Or your ass is grazed." Oh my god. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> stats, stats, stats. Let's stats. get to the stats. So, um, demon lords are obviously very, very powerful creatures, even more powerful than dragons, um, and thus they, they also have regional effects, much like dragons do, mm -hmm. and layer effects if you happen to attack them in their fucking layer like an idiot. So, regional effects. Um, a region containing Grat's layer is warped by his ma by his magic. Um, First of all, flat surfaces within one mile of the layer that are made of stone or metal become highly reflective, as though polished to shine. These surfaces become supernatural, mir supernaturally mirror-like. Um, 
Wild beasts within six miles of lair break into frequent conflicts and coupling, mirroring the behavior that occurs uh, during their mating season. Okay. So, yeah, he just has this effect of debauchery about him. So is this like a, also a narcissistic thing with all the mirror stuff? Must be, right? I think so. It's not really touched upon, but we know that his lair is, has halls basically made of mirror. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see that. Yeah, it definitely can be can be like this narcissistic twist where he, he as much as he loves like the pleasure and the debauchery, but it's all it, when it comes down to it, it's all about love of self. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. It's a really good insight because I didn't think of that. Whatever I'm up to, I'm a watch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, if a humanoid spends at least one hour within one mile of the lair, that creature must succeed a DC 23 wisdom saving throw or descend into madness. That's really high. So, yeah, they, they really added this whole madness effect to the demon lords. Um, where, yeah, you just don't want to be near one because you'll go crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then there's like a, a madness chart where you roll a D100. Um, and basically the way they do this is like you roll a D100 and whatever you land on, you gain a personality flaw that kind of takes over your persona. Okay. So, so just to read them off, they're, they're, they're listed in this kind of like first person kind of way. So like if you roll anywhere from a 1 to a 20... Um, your flaw becomes nothing is more important to me than admiring my own reflection. Anyone who doesn't appreciate my beauty is a fool. It has to be that then. Right, right. Okay. Uh, the second one is sex is a great solution to all life's problems. Why doesn't anyone else get this? <laughs> I lost my sword, man. Can we fuck it out? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, Somebody please. The next one is my appetite for delicious, pleasurable substances knows no bounds. I'll do anything to get more. Um, Rumors spread easily, and I know many of them. Who cares if they're true? (laughs) Okay. To properly honor my dark, beautiful lord, I must prepare intricate, debauched rituals. No. What? And then the final one, anyone who doesn't do exactly what I say deserves no happiness. Oh, man. So these are personality flaws that take over your persona. Well, when we started the show... (laughs) I didn't think you were going to say any of those kind of sentences. Me neither, and man. You said a bunch of them in I a row. I said a bunch in a row. In a row. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Dungeons and Dragons, what? Dungeons and Dragons. What is this? It's got everything. It's got, it literally it has everything. It literally has everything. So so those are the regional effects. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into the layer effects. Yeah. So if you attack Grotz in his layer, bad shit happens. Um, all layer actions are going to uh, occur on initiative count of 20. We talked about initiative count of layer actions in the Red Dragons episode. Yeah, you just toss them in there up top, pretty much. Indeed. So uh, basically, it's two actions that Grotz can take. Grotz ca- the first one is Grotz casts command spell on every creature of his choice in the layer. He needn't see each one, but he must be aware that an individual is in the layer to target that creature. He issues the same command to all the targets. Now, this is powerful because... His layer's fucking huge. And if he just needs to be aware that you're somewhere in the thing, he could do this from like 50 towers away. Yeah, man. Mirror tricks. He yeah. Can, he can see everything. But just He has one mirror that he angles and he can see everywhere in his fucking palace. I like that idea. That's a cool idea. It's probably true. It's probably true. So the other action he can take is smooth surfaces within the layer become as reflective as a polished mirror. Until a different layer action is used, creatures, with, creatures within the layer have disadvantage on stealth checks to made to hide. So yeah. Exactly what you just said. You <laughs> literally just use the mirrors to, to see shit. He's going to make you think he's going to make you be nasty and he's going to make you watch and he's going to watch. <laughs> so true. That's exactly what he do. <laughs> so, OK, so those are his layer actions. Let's uh, let's actually get into his his actual stats. Yeah. So this is where things get a little bit. Uh, 
I don't want to say iffy, but like this is where power levels get a little confusing. This is where it's going to get iffy in <laughs> this, this episode. <laughs> this is where power levels become a little bit confusing. Because okay. um, I personally feel like a demon lord should outpower an ancient dragon. Okay. Like, uh, do you feel the same way? Don't get me wrong. I mean, it should be kind of close-ish. Because there aren't that many ancient dragons to begin with. Like, a, a dragon that reaches that level of power is really, like, a credit to its species, in a way. If you're saying that, I think Orcus, or likewise, mm-hmm. should be able to beat, like, an ancient red dragon. Mm-hmm. I think, like, nine times out of ten, depending on where they... It's like that It's like that fucking show they had on, like, a Discovery Channel where they're mm-hmm. like, let's pin a polar bear versus a fucking tiger and <laughs> right. see what happens. And it's like... They spend most of the episode talking about like where is it going down though. Yeah, obviously those those it should uh, be going down in the fucking room every time right. with nothing in it. Yeah, in a vacuum. Yes. gotcha. Yeah, no, I I agree. So let's talk and, about it in that aspect. Right, and in that aspect, I think a demon lord period should win against an ancient dragon of any right. kind. Because if a demon lord shows up in a dragon lair, who fucking knows what's going to happen? Yeah, that's that's a valid point. Yeah. Um, Twenty. That being good. said, they so I think Orcus and Demogorgon are both challenge rating twenty six. So. By default, all the other demon lords have to fall somewhere below that. Yeah. Problem is, a lot of ancient dragons are either above or somewhere in that vicinity. Mm. So Gratz is at a challenge rating 24, which I think is outdone by a red dragon. I can't remember what the challenge rating was, but I think the red dragon was either 24, 25, or 26. I was going to say 23. It's somewhere in there. Yeah, it's somewhere it's- in there. So if it's less than this, I think that's fair. If it's more, I think that isn't quite accurate. But, I mean, challenge rating is bullshit anyway, so we spent enough time talking about it. Well, you can also talk about strategy. Like, is a dragon not going to land? That might right. that might play into it. Yeah, that, that's valid. So, Gratz has a armor class of twenty, natural armor. Like, I mean, the dude's shirtless, and he <laughs> just has a twenty armor class. So, good for him. His chest is suspiciously shiny, almost like a mirror. Well, it does shine like obsidian. Right. They say that. Oh so, shit! There I was is. right on accident. Yeah, indeed. So his hit points. He's got three hundred forty-six hit points. Um, he can walk forty feet. He's got a speed of forty feet. That's pretty good. Uh, Looking at his ability scores, he's got 22 strength, 15 dex, 21 con, 23 intelligence, 21 wisdom, 26 charisma. (laughs) Okay. So very powerful, as he should be. He's a demon lord. Um, He resists cold fire and lightning damage. He's immune to poisoning poisoning damage, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. That's non-magical. He's also immune to charm, exhaustion, uh, fear and poisoned conditions. Do any of those line up with like devil stuff? Are, they, are these um, like devil flavored stats? I, I have a hard time like just pulling that out of my head. I'm I'm trying to remember Orcus and all them. <clears throat> um, I think demons a lot of time are tied to resisting cold fire and lightning. Mm-hmm. Like the base elements for some reason demons are tied to resisting those. Okay. Um, but as for the charmed, exhaustion, frightened, and poison thing, I think it's just because he's a demon lord. Yeah, okay. So he's just above those things. Especially right, right. the charm part because he's grassed. Mm-hmm. He has true sight, 120 feet, um, and he can speak all languages, and he's telepathic. So nice, good for him. Is what's the range on telepathy? 120 feet. Oh, nice, nice. So pretty, pretty, pretty. That's, that's yeah. really far. Yeah, it is. So his uh, first feature is called Shape Changer. Grass can use his action to polymorph into a form that resembles a medium humanoid, or back into his true form. Aside from his size, his statistics are the same in each form. Any equipment he is wearing or carrying isn't transformed. Um, he also has innate spellcasting uh, with a charisma. Based off his charisma, the spell save DC is 23. Quite high, but it should be. Yeah. Um, he At will, he can cast Charm Person, Crown of Madness, Detect Magic, Dispel Magic, and Dissonant Whispers. 
Those, Those are all pretty good. Yeah, and they don't take slots. He could just do them over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, three a day, three times a day, he can cast Counterspell, Darkness, Dominate Person, Sanctuary, Telekinesis, and Teleport. Uh, once a day, he can uh, cast Dominate Monster and Greater Invisibility. He has Legendary Resistance, so three times a day. He can just decide to save something if he fails. Um, he has Magic Resistance. Grass has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. So he's he's never going to fail a save, like ever, basically. <laughs> uh, magic Weapons. Grass's weapons are uh, attacks are considered magical, which makes sense. He has a giant magical greatsword. If you're power gaming against this, uh-huh. you take that into account, like casting spells that don't require or like have good... like Have spells that don't require saves. Well, or oh, yeah. they do require saves, but you'd still do like a fair amount of terrible shit. With yeah, the... I think in this case, you'd want to focus on spell attacks versus spell saves. Yeah, okay. Because like, yeah, he's got high AC, but, but you'd least... rather roll to beat him than have him roll to beat you. Yeah, exactly. Because he's, he's got advantage and legendary resistance. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So so he, he multi-attack. Uh, Gretz can t- attack twice with his wave of sorrow. Um, his wave of sorrow attack is a plus 13 to hit. A reach of 10 feet because it's so fucking big. Um, it does 46 plus 6 slashing damage plus 3d6 acid damage. So that's a total of 76 plus 6. This is like a, there's so much like, oh, it's sexual eroticism and stuff like in the lore. Mm-hmm. And then it's like wave of sadness. <laughs> it's like, are you empty well, inside at the it, end of the day? It causes so much death that it causes nothing but the sorrow. Sex? What? No, the wave of sorrow. So. <laughs> No. What? <laughs> I thought. No, anyways. Yeah, you know what I thought. Uh, he can also teleport at will, like I said. So, Grass magically teleports along with any equipment he's wearing or carrying up to 120 feet to an unoccupied space he can see. And you just do that every single turn. Mm-hmm. Like, he can really kite you out by 120 feet teleportation. Now I'm over here casting spells. Now I'm over here casting spells. Right. And if you get close enough, he's got a fucking greatsword and a giant shield. Like,. And it's it's magical. It's like regular magical teleportation, or is it like a special ability? Because there's a spell that locks teleport teleporters down. It's not a spell, but if you have a spell that can lock teleporters down, it probably would work. Maybe I think, the, I think it's like a what is it like an eighth or ninth level spell, and it like stops people from teleporting by like it's just ridiculous. Like, but it's all magic based. I think mm, interesting. There are people on the, now if on the other end of this show that's screaming the spell right, <laughs> right. right. now. If that that spell uh, makes it so that the, the teleporter has to succeed a save, not going to be very effective because yeah. he has advantage on all saves. That's true that, against magical effects. Fuck. So yeah, those are his normal actions and his features. Now let's get into his legendary actions because he has those two. He's got three legendary action points that he can spend on three different legendary actions that he has choices from. So. One of his legendary actions is he can just attack with his Wave of Sorrow yet again. Okay. His second action is called Dance My Puppet. Once <laughs> one creature charmed by Grotz that Grotz can see must use its reaction to move up to its speed as Grotz directs. So oh, he can nice. just control people. Uh, his second or his third action is called Sow Discord. Grotz casts Crown of Madness or Dissonant Whispers. So he can do that on an off turn. Yeah. And actually, also yeah. like motion manipulation inherent in those spells. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, last, he actually has a fourth action he can make. Uh, he can use his teleport action on the off turn. Poof, poof. So at will just teleportation. Place. Yeah. He can teleport 240 feet around. He's just like, I'm on the ceiling. Now yeah. I'm on the floor. Yeah. No, this dude's a force of nature, for sure. He's very scary. Any see qu- you from everywhere. Yeah. Any questions about Grast? Um, Man. Is that, we're, so we're going with Grast? Grast? Yeah, Grast. I like it. I keep saying Grast. It's better with but, my Grast joke. 
Yeah, grass. it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much so. Okay. It's the only thing that makes it possible, really. Do you have any questions about grass? No, I mean, I guess kind of, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> I've done enough research. I know enough about what grass. What would your question be? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I can't think off the top like of my why? head. Like why? Like why wizards? No, I think it's, <laughs> I think Gratz is really cool. Like he's one of my favorite demon lords. I think his lore is really rich and detailed. Um, I I just I like Gratz. I think he's super fucking cool. It is a cool like. Uh, I think like he's his a layer way, of the abyss is super unique. Yeah, I think I, I think he's, he's super a, unique as a demon. Yeah, lord. I think he's way more interesting to have as your big bad than Orcus. Let's just say. Well, yeah. Even though the the. I mean, if you put them in a room, an empty room together, they're going to duke it out or just going to whoop ass. Probably. Yeah. yeah but like you as a villain. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, way yeah, more and I think that's what it comes down to. I think Gratz makes a way better villain. Right. Than let's say Orcus. Who yeah. Is kind of just this big, scary asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a Godzilla esque. Right, um, exactly. Well, a little kind of Orcus a little more. Like, more nuanced than, say, Demogorgon, but still. Yeah. Um, so this guy's like. Asmo. Extra nuance. He's like yeah. he's like uh, demon Asmo. Yeah, he's he's very much like demon Asmodeus. Um, and that's the thing that's so he interesting to General me Manager. about Asmodeus is how nuanced and interesting Asmo is. Like, yeah. there's so much to him, and it's very much the same with Grass. Yeah, he's this guy's this guy was his protege in one of the lore. In one of the lore, yeah, yeah exactly. I, and you could go with that. I mean, and it adds up. Really, it does add up very well. Yeah. I really like that idea. But I also like the original origin as well i like both origins but they can't be simultaneously true no because they're too, they're too conflicting side yeah, by side but um, they're both very cool and you can go with either one i mean that's really great for world building options what's the official 5e one that it's the um i mean it's a not, quick recap. it's not literally stated but it it basically falls in line with all the older editions where he's the son of pale knight right okay that's who he still has a working relationship with like he, she's one of his allies. Okay. Right. And, and and that's part because she wants him to be the Prince of Demons. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah. Nice. All right. With that being said, I think we can call it a game. Well, we're not going to call a game because we're going to get ready for our long rest. Oh, that's true. We got to get ready for our long rest. We do well, that now. Yeah, it's a thing we do now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to tell everyone about TDC Plays. It's a YouTube channel, a sister YouTube channel, where we here at the Dungeon Cast play video games. And it's really cool. It's really yeah, fun. You get to yeah. hear my uh, my big announcer voice. And Yeah, you do on Smash you to, Sunday you get to hear play me, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. You get yeah. to hear me eat Chipotle. Um, That's true. Yeah, yeah, that happened too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we got a Zelda 2 playthrough going on right now. Uh, the Pokemon uh, Harkold Randomizer Nuzlocke is kind of coming slowly but surely to an end we're, mm-hmm. we're getting to the tail end of it and shit's getting really exciting how many hours have you clocked on pokemon um typically i clock like 60 70 hours on pokemon so when it comes to actual like playthrough on the channel when it comes to the like the storyline probably somewhere around 20 ish hours mm-hmm. but the amount of grinding i've had to do to make up for like oh uh, yeah, pokemon yeah deaths i think i'm at like 38 hours right now yeah and i'm not getting... even i'm not even doing the kanto part of the journey are you done with gym leaders yet uh, spoilers. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could say, yes, I we, I just beat the eighth gym, but that hasn't aired yet. Well, this has some time before oh, it Oh, that's drops. true. So it might have aired by the time this airs. Okay, well, so. we, get ready for good stuff. Indeed. Gonna, the end of Pokemon games, like right around eighth bat. I, th- I feel like eighth badge is when the next game starts. Like, right. you get this fir- first portion of the game, it's like, oh, learn the basics and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. fight a bunch of trainers and grind it out. But then the eighth gym badge is like, they they turn up the heat on you. Oh yeah, yeah. Shit got real hard real fast uh, mm-hmm. after this last episode that just aired. So lots of exciting stuff. Hell yeah. But yeah, go check it out. The uh, links in the description. If you like video games and you like us here at the Dungeon Cast, you will like that channel. I guarantee it. Yep. 
Um, we got other projects. One of them is a game, a live game that we play, Super Indeed. Quest Saga. Congratulations to everyone that hacks like dice. You'll be announced on our next recording oh, set. Oh, yes, yes, Not will. the next episode, the one after, because yeah. we record in batches of two. It's true. So, um, congratulations to that person. Thank you to everybody who's been getting on iTunes, leaving those reviews. It's been oh, so yeah. awesome. Please follow me on Instagram. I'm posting a lot of updates there. Follow <laughs> Will on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast. Um, you can hit us up, uh, the dungeon cast at gmail.com. Like I mentioned in the short rest, do we have any other projects to plug? Um, no, I think that's it for now. I think that's good. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. We're going to call again. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>